0: Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
1: Hey, guys. How's it going? It's wonderful to be with you here tonight. Um, Twenty years ago, When we first moved out, my wife's with me, Marguerite, and my daughter. We were attending Calvary Chapel Albuquerque, and and it's a great privilege to come and share with you tonight. Excited about what the Lord's put in my heart, and pray that uh, it would speak to your heart. Let's, Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the amazing privilege we have to gather together as your body. And Lord, we know that, God, you have something to say to us. Lord, we ask that, God, we would have the ears to hear. And that, God, our hearts would be receptive to, Lord, just whatever it is that you desire to, Lord, move in us or, or reveal to us or even spur us on, Lord. May you just continue to, Lord, fill this place with your presence and with your power. We love you. We thank you. And we ask that you would, Lord, just bless our time together now as we open your word. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. amen, Amen. I'm going to ask that you would turn your Bible with me to First Peter chapter four. We've been going in our fellowship back home through the Book of First Peter, and I came across these verses. Taught them not too long ago, and it was just something that I think penetrated my heart, and and I just wanted to kind of share with you guys. I, I know, um, and next week you're having the epicenter conference here and i I wish i could come i was looking forward to coming and found out it's the same weekend my daughter's getting married and so obviously i got priorities right so um i i won't be able to come but i i i love joel and i love the the idea of uh the, the whole topic of prophecy and the things that Um, Especially in the days that we're living in. We're living in pretty exciting times. You know, things are happening fast. And as we're looking at Peter here, in 1 Peter chapter 1, let me give you a little bit of, of history, just kind of the setting. Peter's writing to a group of Christians who were in the Roman Empire and were experiencing great persecution. So much so that they had had to flee their, their homes at this point and it was about to get even crazier. Nero was about to turn up the heat. It was about to be serious persecution, burning at the stake and lighting up his gardens, dipping Christians in tar and, you know, just, just it was about to get really tough. And so Peter's writing a word of encouragement. I think it's a word just to encourage the church to endure persecution, to endure suffering. And I think, you know, as, as we see in our world, things are changing. And it could be that we're going to be that church that's experiencing difficulty, persecution. And so Peter's writing, I think, to them, but I think also to us, this text. And let's read together First Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have a fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. God, what a passage. You see... Peter's writing to this group who's in the middle of persecution and is about to go through greater persecution. He's going, look guys, let's get this in a right perspective. The end is at hand. Now for, for them, we know this was some 2,000 years ago this was written, 1900 and, you know, 40 years ago. That that Peter's writing this to them, and, and he's going, Hey guys, the end's at hand. Now for them, the end was at hand. For sure. Their 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 personal persecution, many of them would die. I think even more so he's writing to those who would be here when the end is at hand. For us, I, I think he's he's really trying to narrow down to that last generation. Look, guys, no matter what goes down, God has a purpose, God has a plan. And your goal is to glorify God in it. How do you do that? He's going to give us a couple things here. Number one, he's going to tell us that we need to be serious and watchful in our prayers. Number two, he says, look, you guys need to love one another. And then thirdly, he says, you guys need to serve one another. Now, he opens up that verse, that section of Scripture by saying, but the end of all things is at hand. I, I, I love it because, you see, I've loved prophecy my whole Christian life. I got saved when I was about 10 years old. And I was, uh, my, my mom got saved. She was t- taking me and my brother and sister to church. And we were filled with the Spirit, and God was moving in my life. I was around, uh, you know, 10. By the time I turned to 12, I was brought up in, I should say, half a Christian home. My mom was in love with the Lord. My dad was a hippie. He, he was a, a, he smoked pot, did drugs, drank every night. And so my mom was constantly trying to, you know, push us down the right road. And my dad was there, um, kind of steering us down the wrong road. And so, you know, I had this constant battle going on. And I remember the time, by the time I was 12, 13 years old, I kind of thought, man, what dad's doing's fun. And I kind of started veering. That road with dad, I started drinking and smoking dope and, you know, getting involved with, with you know, just the, the crazy party life. And well, I was around, I, I, I imagine 12, 13 years old, and a couple of my friends were shooting basketball. We had just gotten high. We smoked a big fatty. We were out just shooting hoops. And one of my friends turns to me and, and we seen the moon and the moon had a rainbow around it. I don't know if you ever seen a moon with a rainbow. I looked up and it goes, Isn't the Bible say something about Jesus coming back and there would be a rainbow around the moon? And you know, right away I went, No way. And I remember running as fast as I could home. Because I knew if mom's home, I'm good. But if mom's gone, I'm in trouble. Right? So... I, I remember running full speed home, kicking the door in, running, looking for mom, ran to every room in the house, mom, mom, mom. She wasn't anywhere to be found. I go to the kitchen and there was a boiling pot of water and it was bubbling over. I, I was already packing my bags. I, I you know, I'm going to go to the mountains. I'm going to survive on berries. You know, I mean, that, that was where I was going already. And I remember I was sitting on the couch just going, I, I missed the Lord. Uh, he came and I wasn't there. I mean, you know, I, I had, was tears in my eyes and my mom comes walking in the door. She goes, mijo, what's the matter? Nothing. <laughs> And and I just kind of blew it off, and you know, kind of went my way. Well, what had happened was the neighbor kid had cut his finger. She had run over to the neighbor to help fix the little boy up, and you know, this whole—I think the Lord set that whole thing up, <laughs> trying to get my attention. It it, it didn't work. i'd still, you know, eight nine years later before I finally came back to the Lord. But you know, ever since then, it was just kind of like, man, this this. This coming back of the Lord, guys. When when you have that kind of urgency, you know, when I came to Christ at 23, I thought for sure Jesus is coming back within the next year. And then a year later, I'm going, you know, it's got to be close now. And here we are, you know, 24 years later, and I'm still waiting for the Lord to come. But but I, I think it's Peter's writing this. He, he, he's He's wanting them to have that urgency in their life. I'm still waiting for Jesus to come back. And you look at the signs, you look at our world, you go, man, it could be even closer than ever. Jesus would come back at any moment, at any minute. And I think when you have that kind of urgency, sometimes you can kind of get put in the same camp with, well, camping, Harold Camping. Remember him? 2011, May 21st, he said, Jesus is coming back. I had a friend who was in Albuquerque who, had, who saw the big RV t- text me a, a picture of the RV that said, you know, people get ready, you know, it's Jesus is coming back on May 21st, 2011. You, you got guys like um, the, 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 the hale Bop group that, you know, thinks that the Martians were coming to deliver them from the earth. And, well, you know, all of these, these pro- false prophets and those who claim to know the coming of the Lord... And I think when we have that kind of urgency, we can sometimes be put in the same camp with them all. But, but make no mistake, mistake about it. It's gonna happen. Jesus is coming back. You see, the world that we live in is in rebellion against God. The world that you and I occupy are, are, is, is got their fists just, you know, shaking at God. And, and one day, God's gonna call those things to account. Uh, it might not be this year. It might not be next year. It might not be for 10, 15, 30, 100,000. I mean, we don't know the time. Jesus said no man knows the day or the hour. But it's going to happen. And when he does, his church, those who have been following him and seeking after them, will be taken out of here. The Bible calls... Uh the, the 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 I the thought there we call it the rapture. First Thessalonians four sixteen says this for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Guys, that's a promise. That's gonna happen. You know, I I'm almost praying, Lord, let it happen now. Right? Today would be fine. Now I, I remember when my two girls were born. Uh, I my, my daughter is with me, she's getting married next weekend. And and I remember just praying, you know, after my second daughter comes, Lord, just come back before I gotta marry them off. <laughs> the, well, I he's got a week, okay? So <laughs> it it's gonna happen and we know that that when it does happen, it's because God's wrath is going to be poured out upon the world. God is finally going to call to account. It tells us in the book of First Thessalonians 5.9, it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we, we shall live together with Him. And so the, the promise that, that we're going to be snatched away... And then the promise that we're going to be with the Lord forever before His wrath is poured out upon the world. And then, well, the Bible talks about a tribulation that's going to be a great tribulation, like the world's never seen. Jesus in Matthew chapter twenty-four goes into detail of what that's going to look like, and He told us that it was it was going to you know there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and there was going to be all of this confusion in the world, and it, it would be like birth pangs. On a pregnant woman. It would just, it's gonna intensify and it's gonna get, you know, more intensified. If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. Your wife goes into labor and, you know, you're watching the clock, you're timing 20 minutes apart and then you're looking at the clock, it's 10 minutes apart and like, you know, get in the car, we gotta get over there. Well, it it seems as though we're seeing the birth pangs intensify, getting closer and closer and closer together. And so when, when Peter's writing this, is, is he's wanting to tell them, look guys, the Lord's going to come back. The day of the Lord, the, the end is at hand. So, so how do you respond to that? What is it that we do? If we believe that Jesus is coming back, and I think we should all do that. You know, I think we're encouraged to watch. We're encouraged to be ready. Well, he tells us a couple things here. Number one, he says, Therefore, Be serious and watchful in your prayers. Guys, that's powerful. Because what he's encouraging us to do is not to freak out. He's telling us, you know, don't go and, and, and start storing up all of your supplies. Don't start stocking bullets. Right? He goes, you know, you're, you're to trust the Lord. And, and the Lord's coming back. You know what? You need to be praying. We need to be not only praying. He says you need to be serious and watchful in your prayers. And we realize what a privilege that you and I have, Christian. That we have access to the throne of God. That we can enter into His throne room anytime, 24 hours a day. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, and even in the leap year, right? You have access to God, and, and what an amazing privilege that is. That you know, I don't have access to a lot of people, but I have access to God. There's times I can't even get hold of my wife on the cell phone. I can't call the governor. I I, I don't know how to get a hold of the president. You know, a the, the, the lot of the represent. I mean, I don't I don't have access to them, but I have access to the Creator. Of Heaven and earth. And, and that you and I have this privilege, because of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us to enter into the presence of a holy God. And 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 I think if we're all honest, we, we just kind of realize, man, I probably don't take advantage of that as much as I should. I, I know I, I have to constantly remind myself, man, you know what, you you you, you have to spend time in prayer. You have to kind of carve it into your schedule. You have to kind of go, you know what? I'm getting up a little bit earlier. I'm staying up a little bit later. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to seek the Lord because I have access to him. He says you're, you're to do it seriously and you do it watchfully. And then he tells us in the next verse, check this out. And above all things, above all things, what, what is he saying? Have a fervent love for one another. Guys, why would he tell a persecuted church that here's a priority for you? You're you're, you're to love one another. You're, you're, You're to make it a priority in your life. Why would he say that to Christians? I mean, aren't Christians all supposed to be loving? Well, here's the thing. You're a christian you've been saved by the blood of jesus but you're still a sinner right and and people have hurt you even within the church people have hurt you and 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 the thing is is that the mark of christianity is love what did jesus say the greatest commandment of all when he was asked what's the greatest commandment of all jesus said you shall love the lord your god with all your heart all your mind and all your soul and the second commandment is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself jesus said that they will know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. It really is the mark of Christianity. But it's not an easy thing. Or else Peter wouldn't have to remind us to do that. right? He goes, guys, above all things, don't forget this. When you're persecuted, when you don't feel like it, maybe you want to isolate yourself. Well, you got to remember that above all things, you have to love one another. Love one another. And I like what he says here. Love of one another fervently. Fervently. With a fervent love. I looked up that word. I thought it was an interesting word. It's, it's the idea of having a stretched-out love. You guys watch the Olympics? I I I was so impressed by the, the runners. You know, I, I just love to see these guys that can, you know, just make it down to the finish line, the 50-yard dash, the 100-yard dash. And and I was watching a couple of them where they were running and they were just kind of stretching to just, you know, everything they had, a couple of them diving across the finish line. That's the picture here. Because you have to have a fervent love for one another. You have to have a stretched out love. One that, that goes the extra mile, that gives the extra inch. It's that kind of love that He's encouraging us to have. Colossians 3.13 says it like this, Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Must do. And so it should be part of, of, of... you know, our our character. It's part of our culture that we have that kind of love for one another, you know, especially even when you're going through persecution, even when you're going through trials and tribulations, even when you don't feel like it, that you have that kind of fervent love for one another. There's a stretched out love for one another. And he tells us why. Look what he says. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Now, I, I think he just told us. You guys are all sinners. And you're going to need love to cover that. Right? You're going to offend one another. You're going to have attitude with one another. You're going to blow your top with one another. But something will cover that. It's love. Love covers a multitude of sins. When you love somebody, you overlook their faults. You overlook their shortcomings. You ever seen an engaged couple? And, and, you know, you just kind of look at them and, and they just, you know, got the Google eyes at each other. And, and, and th- there's one, one gentleman in particular, you, you know, just a rough young man and he, his, his fiance just, you know, looks at him and I go, you know, don't you see the dude? How is it that you don't... I mean, everyone else sees it. The guy's, you know, a creep. We have a word for that, right? Love is blind. No, no, love isn't blind. Love covers. Love covers the multitude of sins. It looks over our faults and our shortcomings. And I think that's why Peter's going, look guys, you guys are going through it right now. It's hard. Being persecuted isn't easy. You guys need to be praying. And you guys got to love one another. With a fervent love. Because that kind of love covers the multitude of sins. It it covers all of the faults that you're going to have with one another. All the things that will offend one another. It's interesting that he throws in there that you should be hospitable to one another. Not just being hospitable to one another. He says without grumbling. Why would he put that there? And sometimes we can be hospitable, but we're grumbling the whole time. I'm doing this, but I don't want to. A little creep. And he goes, hey, have that kind of hospitality... The idea of hospitality is, is that you are being generous to guests. That you're going out of your way to make them feel comfortable. And, and that really is the heart of of you know your 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 love for one another that you're you know even sacrificing your own comfort to to make others feel comfortable and He goes have that kind of hospitality with one another notice what he says next he says and as each one has received a gift minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god now guys here here's something that I think it's a revelation for us that, you know, every one of us have gifts. If you're part of the body of Christ, if you've received Christ into your life, you've asked Him to forgive you for your sins, one of the things that transpires is that God engifts you, He empowers you to serve. And, and all of us have different gifts; they differ from one another he'll tell we'll, we'll, we'll turn there in a second but but I think it's, it's important to note that that he 's talking to a group of people that are suffering he 's telling look don't stop serving, even though you 're suffering, even though you 're being persecuted i can't tell you how many times that that you know, I, I counsel with someone and going, you know, I, I just I, I got to step down. I, I I'm not serving right now because I'm just going through so much. I think it's Peter going. Look, you need to serve. You should be serving. It, it, it's it's a gift that God's given you. And I like what he says next. He goes because you're a steward of that gift. A steward is the idea of a house manager. That you're just caring for someone else's goods, someone else's possessions. Christian, that gift that God's given you isn't yours. It's God's. And He entrusted it to you so that you would use it for the edifying of the body. He tells us in, in a couple places. Let, let, me, let me ask you to, to turn Um First of all t- turn to Ephesians with me Ephesians chapter 4 Look at verse 15 Ephesians chapter 4 the 15th verse we'll begin there what's what he says But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into Him who's the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. He tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, He says there's a diversity of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There's a differences of ministries. It's the same Lord. There's a diversity of activities. It's the same God who works all in all. Look at verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So here's the deal. is If you're part of the body when you're using the gifts that God has given you, then you're profiting from it. You're the one who benefits from it. And if you don't use the gift that God's given you, then then you're actually hurting yourself. You see, the one serving is getting as much out of, if not more out of, serving than the one who's being served. Jesus said what? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Right, And it's an amazing thing because he's encouraging the church. Look, by design, the the way God created the church, we should be serving one another. And even when you're being persecuted, even when you're going through trials and tribulations, even when all these things are happening in your life, that you have a responsibility. Why? Because you're a steward of that thing God's entrusted to you, that gift. And so he tells us, There in the next verse, going back to 1 Peter, watch what he says. Being good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. Now, now, he breaks it up into two categories of gifts. The speaking gifts and the ministering gifts. Right? The speaking gifts are, you know, the gifts of, of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of tongues, the gift of exhortation. I mean, those are the speaking gifts. And he goes, if you have the speaking gift, if anyone speaks, let him do so with the oracles of God. He goes, if you're ministering, do it with the, abilities that God has supplied you I like that 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 it really isn't anything about me and it's not anything about you it's about God he's the one who empowers and he the he's the one who in gifts and anything you have is because God's entrusted it to you and therefore you begin to use those gifts you begin to go out and say Lord where do you want to use me how can I serve you am I a speaker or am I a minister? The, the idea of ministry, guys, is the idea of service. And, and, and service, when you think of the service gifts, I, I think you would categorize them, you know, those who have the gift of giving and those who have the gift of administration and those who have the gift of uh, helps and mercy. Those that are out just, you know, doing the day-to-day ministry. He's going, it doesn't matter what gift you have. Not, not, not one's greater than the other. Not one's less than the other. But, but you have a gift. And you may have multiple gifts. But are you using it? Are you using it for... Well, here's, here's the kicker, guys. Look at the end of verse 11 there. Do it with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be, be glorified through Jesus Christ. What's the purpose of all of it? That God may be glorified? The, the whole deal is, is, is that our lives are, are intended to bring glory to God. The church was intended to bring glory to God. And so, whether you're going through the persecution or whether you're going through the trials or tribulations, you know, you, you're, you're, you're taking that and you're going, God, I, I just need your help. Just praying. Praying as, as such a, you know, I, I remember getting saved. Now I grew up in a Catholic background. I grew up, you know, group my my younger years. I did you know catechism, first communion, um, confirmation. I did all of those things. And and what I was what I thought prayer was 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 just simply repeating words that I had learned. You know, and and I was good at them. Matter of fact, I remember going to confession, and you know, the the priest would tell me, you know. You have to go out and say a hundred Our Fathers and fifty-nine Hail Marys. I mean, I was bad, right? I I remember this is how messed up I was. I remember confessing. I would go to Saturday night mass. I would confess sins that I was hoping I would accomplish, and that way I could say my prayers to have them forgiven before I do them. The, so, so my whole my whole thought was was that you know if, if I just said my prayers now prayer is just simply talking to God, right? It, it, I, I remember I remember you know coming to the Lord and just going, well, I don't you know how to pray. What do I say? And, and and then just simply learning, you know what? All you got to do is talk to God like you would your friend. Just converse with him. Tell them what you're going through. Tell them your you know what your struggles are. You know, just the idea of praying and seeking the Lord and asking God to to you know be with me in, in all of the things I was going through, to change me from a lot of the hang ups I had and all of the addictions I was fighting and you know, God I don't know how to do this. Help. So so his encouragement was look, look, look guys, in your prayers, you're glorifying God. Why is that? Because you realize that you're dependent upon him. God, I really don't have nothing to offer you. I'm messed up. I, I, I really don't even know how to talk to you. That's how bad it is. But as we come to him in prayer, we're just saying, God, it, you know, help me. I need you. As we're having love for one another. I, now, I think if we all be honest here, it's it's hard to love other people, isn't it? It's it, it, especially, you know, those that rub you wrong or those who've hurt you or offended you. And he's telling us, go out and love one another. Now, by doing so, you're bringing glory to God. Why? Because what's he done for you? He's loved you in spite of you. Right? You, you fail him over and over again. I know I do. Kind of like, Lord, it's me again. <laughs> I did it again. Help. And, and He's constantly there with open arms. You know, Ray, come on. Get back over here. And it's that same kind of love that He's asking us to display. Why? Because it's the same kind of love He's displayed to us. And in doing that, what are we doing? We're glorifying God in our actions. And as we're out serving as we're out speaking, as we're out ministering to one another, as we're out doing those things that God's asked us to do in, in that way. He's just saying, look, you're, you're, you're going to bring glory to me by your actions. And guys, it's my prayer, as we're looking at this text, is that, is that we would realize that you know, no matter what you're enduring tonight, no matter what you're going through, God, God has a plan for you and God has a purpose for you. And he wants to be glorified through your life. He created you for that very purpose. That you would bring glory to his name. That, that by your serving, by your loving. Now, I, I don't know what it is like here in Calvary, Albuquerque. I can tell you this Calvary Chapel, Rio Grande Valley, we're, we're, we're always looking for servants. You can never get enough servants. We we um, did just a, uh, the last year we we opened up uh, it's it's a it's a group it, a Bible study inside the, the public schools K through sixth grade it's CEF program and and we, we now have all the Belen schools a CEF program in all of the schools and we got some starting in Las Lunas now and and what's awesome it's exciting. Is is we're we're, we're probably, we've got like two hundred and fifty two hundred kids showing up to a Bible study right after school inside the public schools, and it takes an army, right? We got a, a a whole nother group, and we're always going Lord, raise up more of them because we can get in more schools. We'll go to two days a week. I mean, what an opportunity to to share the the love of God. Take a, a Sunday school class, a Bible class into the public schools. And here's the amazing thing, is that we're seeing not only the kids get saved, we're seeing grandma and grandpa, mom and dad showing up. Can I come to the Bible class too? Sure, come on in. And they're accepting the Lord, right? But it's not possible to to do that unless the body of Christ stands up and says, hey, we want to serve. I'll speak, I'll watch a kid, I'll do this, you know, and and just just being present, just just standing there makes a huge difference. So that who gets glorified? God. And God has given the body of Christ, every one of you, everyone here that, that names the name of Christ, everyone who's received Christ as Lord and Savior, he's given you gifts for that very purpose. And I love it because you realize that as Peter's writing this, these guys are going through the fire. They're going through the persecution. Matter of fact, if you were to jump over to chapter 4, look what he says in verse 12. We are in chapter 4. Go to verse 12. Look what he says in verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. is that a cool verse? He's going, look, look, don't be surprised. You're going to be tried. You're going to be persecuted. Christian, it's part of your association with Christ. Remember what Jesus said back in the Gospels, Matthew he says, look, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they would obey my word, they would obey your word. But no servant's greater than his master. Hey, you're going to be persecuted. It's what Paul said in First Timothy. He says, and anyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Persecutions are a lot. Why? Because th- what they did to Jesus, even, you know, the, the people associate you with Jesus and so they're going to do the very same thing they did to Him to you. Rejection. Persecution. And then you got another enemy, the, the evil one, right? I mean, the, he, he warns them in, in chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's fun. Right? You got an adversary, the devil, who is constantly looking to kill you, like a roaring lion without teeth, because he can't touch you. And it's an amazing thing because this whole idea of persecution is is really the whole book of First Peter. You ever suffering? You ever being persecuted? Read the book of First Peter. One to five. You, I mean, it's just dealing with those that are being persecuted. But, but, and I, I thought it was a great encouragement. I, I think, guys, we are, we are living in times... Um, not, we're, we're here in America, and I think you know, we're all pretty cush, comparably. Right? You, you might feel persecuted. Your family don't want to hang out with you anymore. Your old friends are going, and you're weird now. You're one of those Jesus freaks. But you go to China, you go to Africa, you, you, you go to any of the Muslim countries, go to Egypt right now, do you want to see persecution? See, the church is being persecuted all over the place. Next week, uh, or actually a couple weeks from now, we have Wes Bentley who's, who's uh, doing far-reaching ministries, who's, got, who's training chaplains to go into the battlefield. Uh, and, and they're seeing. I think just in the last two months, they had three chaplains die because of the persecution of the Muslims that, that's going on there in Africa. And it's an amazing thing that, that you know, as Peter's encouraging them, look, guys, even though all these things are going down, Nero and the persecution, you, you, you still have a, a huge responsibility. You, you 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 still act like you're the church. You pray, you love, and you serve. Now, I've been sharing with you as, as the church, but let, let me tell you, from the other side of that is, you see, for those 10 years that I, that I walked away from God, the, those 10 years where I, I had totally backslid and, and, you know, drugs and coke and dope and, you know, just living a, a very... Immoral life. You see, there, there was a time when there was a barrier between me and God. That, that, that barrier was sin. And, and, and I wasn't ready to repent of that sin. And, and, and I shared with you, you know, there was, there was, that was one of many instances where I think God was trying to get my attention. There was one time where I thought I had OD'd and, and, and I, I had taken too much drugs. And I, I remember getting on my knees because I thought I was going to die. And I said, God, if you just deliver me this one time. I'll give. I, I'm done. And and I remember being in my room, and all of a sudden, it was. I was sober. There was a peace that I, I can't even explain to you. I remember I would just like God just showed up, took away all the the, the addiction, and, and 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 it was sad. I, I was at that you know, I mean, that was at the end of my running from God, but two days later I was out high again. And and and, and th- 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 here's the deal, guys, is that you can continue to run from God. You can continue to rebel against God. And I believe God will pursue you time and time again. I, I, I There was another time when I was in a car accident. I, I remember being on the side of the road, standing on the side of the road, looking at my vehicle that had been t-boned and it was in the driver's seat and the officer comes up to me and he goes who was in that car and i said i was and you're alive you're you know you're standing here and yeah i I don't get it you you see god's gonna pursue you it it finally came to that last point in 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 my life remember my mom was praying for me i I had a a mom who who prayed like like no one's business i I i remember coming home and I'd be drunk trying to find my bed, and my mom, I would trip over her. She was on her knees over my bed praying. And I, you know, literally, I'd find the bed and, and roll over, and there, you know, hit mom as I was trying to dive into my bed. I, and my mom My mom believed in anointing with oil. I had oil over everything. <laughs> my tannies, my caps. I mean, I had oil. I mean, I was like, oh, mom. She was, she was a praying woman. <laughs> Since then, my, my dad's come to Saving Faith, my brother, my sister, myself. Because of mom's prayers, I'm convinced. But, but you can be in that place. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you, you, you realize, you know what, man, I, I, I've been running from God. I don't even really know if I'm part of the church. I don't even if if, if I've come to faith in Christ. You see, all of that transpires, guys, as an act of faith, as you by faith say, God, I'm done running. I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to be like that anymore. I, I don't want to be separated from you. We, we, Isaiah 59 says that God's ear's not too small that He can't hear you. His hand's not too short that He can't save you. But your sins have separated you from God. You see, God is reaching out to you. Maybe here tonight, God's speaking to you. You realize, you know what? I, I, I don't want to be in this camp that's in opposition to God. I want to give my life to God. And I want to ask Jesus to, to come in and to take over my life. You do that simply by asking. You do that simply by saying, God, I, I messed up. I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. And I need the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses to come and wash me from all of my sins and for You to fill me with Your Spirit and gift me and empower me so that I can now be part of Your church, part of Your people. And as, as we close our service tonight, I, I just want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're here tonight and God speak into your heart. You, you realize, you know, you're talking about the church, you're talking about praying and serving and talk about, about you know, the, the, these... Things that I'm supposed to be doing, but but the reality is, is that man, I, I'm not, I'm not even in the same camp. I'm not even part of the same team. And what we're going to do is I, I, the worship team is going to come out right now, and and we're just we're just going to worship. But if you're here tonight and God's speaking to your heart, and you're going, man, you know what? I I, I need to get right with God. I need to ask Christ to come in my life. What we're going to do is is we're, we're going to. Um, we're just going to give an opportunity for those of you here tonight that, that are ready to take that step, re- ready to surrender your life, to say, God, I need you. Then, then what we're going to do is I'm just going to ask that wherever you're at tonight, is, that you would just simply stand to your feet and we want to pray with you tonight as God speaks to your heart. So if God's speaking as we worship, as we sing, if you're here and you're going, you know what, I, I, I want to get right with God tonight. I want to ask Him to forgive me, to cleanse me. If you're a Christian, I'm going to ask that you're praying. But if God's speaking to you would, you, would you just take that step of faith and say, you know what, I'm ready to give. I want to ask Christ to come into my life. I want to ask Him to, to change me and transform me and begin to work inside of me. And as we, as we worship, as we sing, as God's speaking to your heart, I just ask that you would just stand up let's pray together. To Jesus
0: I surrender all, to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust in Him. His presence there.
1: I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. You see, when Jesus called His disciples, He called them publicly. He, he, he told His disciples, pick up your cross and follow me. And so, as tonight, God's speaking to your heart. I, I'm just going to ask, if you've stood up, man, would, would, would you just make your way down the aisle? Just saying, you know what? I, I I I want to follow Jesus with all my heart. Would you just come? Come. We're just gonna pray with you, man. Just come. That's awesome. Just come. Make your way down here. Amen. Awesome. thing. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. He also said, if you deny me before men, I deny you before my Father. You see, these guys here just, you know what? I don't care. Jesus, I want to ask him to come in. And, And maybe you're right now still in your seat and your heart's racing and you're going, man, I don't know. This is a big step. It is a big step. It's the best step you'll ever take in your life and if God's speaking to you and you're still sitting you're still standing and you know you know what I, I need to take that step I, I need to just surrender all I need to ask God to, to just take my life I, I'm going to ask that you would is these, they're going to sing one more chorus just one more time I believe there's more of you you know who you are right now that the spirit of God is tugging on your heart you know what just come come let's
0: worship surrender.
1: Decided for you. You've just taken the biggest step of your life. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray a simple prayer of faith. I'm gonna ask that you would say these words with me, and it's from your heart to God that you say these words. And as we pray, that the Bible says this: that, that the angels in heaven rejoice that when one sinner repents, man, can you imagine heaven right now rejoicing? You guys going, God, I need you. It's awesome. That's awesome. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask that you would say these words with me. Let's go before the Lord. Dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I thank you that you're a Savior. That you sent Jesus to die for me. May you fill me with your spirit now, God. May you guide and direct my life as I surrender it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That is awesome, God. That is awesome. Bless you.